Well, y'all, it just wasn't meant to be this year. We are recording this in the aftermath of the CAA tournament. CFC loses in the semifinals to Northeastern, so there will not be a repeat trip to the NCAA tournament for the College of Charleston. As Andrew Miller of the Post and Courier reported, it's unlikely that the Cougars will accept an invite to a lower tier postseason tournament, so Sunday's game, probably the last of the season for the Cougars, but hard to find faults in how things ended. It was a hell of a game, a well-played, competitive game between two really good teams, and to talk about it all is former Cougar basketball player, now full-time fan of the program, Harrison Bown. He is back for his second go-round on the Holy City Hoops podcast. He was at the game. He helps us understand the game plan that Earl Grant and the coaching staff deployed, um, where they executed really well, some of the things they may have given up. And since he played with the guys in the senior class who likely just finished their career with Charleston, he has some really good insight on what those guys kind of meant to the program and where everyone sort of goes from here. So I think you'll enjoy that. Last thing, this is probably the final podcast for a little while. Hopefully Cougar basketball continues with stuff like the three-on-three tournament at the Final Four, NBA Summer League, things like that. But we'll take a break for the time being. If you don't make it to the end of this episode where I give my formal send-off, thank you all so, so much for listening this season. I really do appreciate it. But for one last time this season, let's get into a new episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast with me and my guest, Harrison Baum. Okay, today's guest needs no introduction. Back for seconds, Harrison Baum. Welcome back, man. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thank you for having me back. Um, unfortunately, last night didn't go the, the way that the Cougars wanted to go, but uh, happy to come back on here and talk about it. How are your emotions right now as an alum and a former basketball player? Uh, I'm pretty hurt from that one. Um, that's a tough loss to swallow. I thought we played pretty well I mean there's obviously always stuff you can do differently but overall I thought we played pretty well but I really hate it for those those seniors because of how much they've given to the program and and what they've meant to the program and kind of reviving it and bringing us back to prominence and so I I just really feel for them today because I know what that that feeling's like and it's uh it's gut-wrenching hopefully they'll get a shot at the NIT um but we'll we'll have to wait and see here in a couple weeks right no doubt well we'll talk about the seniors in a little bit I mean, I guess we should start, this is kind of recapping the tournament up to now, but let's start with a more positive side of things, and that would be the first game of the tournament for the Cougars, where they take down Drexel pretty handily, a 12-point victory for the Cougars. What are your overall impressions from uh, from that first game? I thought we played really well. I thought the, the start of the game was huge. I mean, you know, Drexel obviously beat us at home in a game that we really should have won, and then we go up there and it's down to the wire, you know, late game. And we pull out the victory. And so for us to come out and start the way we did, I didn't think we could have asked for a better start. We were really attacking them, uh, driving the ball, getting some easy layups, and, and got out to, I think it was a 12, 14-point lead at one point. So loved how we started it. I think sometimes teams can have a little bit of a lull in conference tournaments, especially if you're playing that second game, you know, and other other teams, um, if they're playing the play-in game, have already got kind of a game under their belt. So I thought it was huge for us to come out the way we did and, and was really impressed in how we started and then how we finished the game. I agree. Yeah, really, really impressive start for the Cougars. Uh, the defensive intensity in those first couple of minutes was really, was really awesome. I think Marquise Pointer had a, a big role in that. But yeah, that uh, 
that run really i mean once drexel scored the first two points it was cfc pretty much the rest of the way i did also low-key enjoy both uncw and william and mary being knocked out of the tournament before we even played our first game <laughs> it's always nice when uncw and william and mary lose i mean they were two teams i really um i wasn't as worried about necessarily uncw but i didn't want to have to to ever run into William and mary i mean to me they they have a lot of talent on their team they have one of the best coaches in ca in my opinion and so they're to me they're a very dangerous team come March. So I was glad to to go ahead and get them out of the way, for sure. So obviously Troy Harper is a no go in that Drexel game. I think that really hurt them. He was the guy who was instrumental in those two comebacks in the regular season. Without him, um, Cameron Winter, who just won Rookie of the Year, plays forty minutes. Demir kind of has to step up, but just seemed like too much Grant Riller and not enough star power on Drexel to kind of keep pace. Yeah, you know, if you if you kind of look at Drexel's stat line, 14, 10, 12, 11 for the starters, um, and that's impressive. I mean, normally that, you know, that plus a couple points off the bench is going to get you a win with, with good defense. And so I thought it was actually pretty impressive how they played. Um, it's been um, exciting, I guess, in some ways to watch how they've changed their program so much. I mean, they played completely different style of ball than what I played against, but um like, like you said, just a little too much of uh, Jarrell and Grant. And then to me, Sam Miller was the X factor in that game. I mean, coming off the bench, going five for eight, uh, two for four from three, seven rebounds. I thought he played really great. It was a, a huge spark off the bench for us. Yeah, I know you love a, uh, a multifaceted big man coming off the bench. Uh, Sam Miller, 12 and seven. Definitely much needed. I don't know where the Cougars would be if he hadn't put in that type of production, but it was good to see him in a big atmosphere show up, hit some threes, play tough defense. It seemed like a good matchup for him as well because I know Demir can kind of stretch you out and um, was really happy to, to see Sam kind of step up as that third scorer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Sam's a really good player. Um, I mean, obviously coming from Dayton, Dayton's got an unbelievable basketball program, and I, I think we're really just starting to scratch the surface of what he's capable of. Um, you know, I think it takes time to get used to your, your team and get used to playing a different system and, you know, coming in mid year and everything. So I really would expect him to kind of take off next year and, and have an expanded role and really start to, to show us what he's capable of next year. And I think he'll be a little more comfortable with all the guys and, and used to playing in the system. Mm -hmm. We should also mention, I just about fell out of my chair when Grant Riller did the behind the back at half court and through the alley-oop to Jarrell Brantley. That was one of the plays of the season for me. That, that, that was an unbelievable play. I mean, uh, watching those guys is just like a highlight reel. Um, and, and obviously I think we'll, I'm praying and, and hoping that we'll get a chance to watch Grant again next year, but I am going to miss Grant and Jarrell together just because they, they play so well off of each other and you never know at what point they're going to make an amazing play. I mean, they, they seem to make two or three of them every game, but, but yeah, that play had the crowd up out of their seats and going wild. Yeah. So Charleston hangs on. Drexel did have kind of a, a late push, as, as we saw in the two regular season games. But at the conclusion of that Drexel game, how are you feeling going into the matchup with Northeastern? I, I felt really good about going into the game versus Northeastern. Um, you know, obviously lose a tough battle up there. We were kind of in a, a skid at that point. Didn't think we were playing our best ball. And then we come home, play them at home a couple weeks ago, and I thought we had a great game. We got down by, I think, like six or eight at, at one point in that game, fought back and – we just kind of 
kept taking their punches and were able to, to throw throw some ourselves and come back to them. So I felt really good about it. I think the line that I saw right before the game was like Northeastern minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody expected it to be a, a battle down to the very end, which is exactly what it was. But I felt really good about it. Um, like I said, Sam having the great game that he did for Drexel, I thought if he could carry over a little bit of that heading into this game, um, I thought Marquise played great defense in that Drexel game, but I thought, you know, he went one for five in the Drexel game. I thought for sure he'd have a, a better game versus Northeastern, which, I, you know, I think he did. So I, I felt pretty confident going into the game versus Northeastern last night and really believed we were going to pull it out uh, at the end. I was feeling pretty good as well. I mean, I know Northeastern has wanted their revenge in this game dating back to last year when they seemingly had this title in hand before Charleston comes back. But the first, the, the other two games were both close, and you know Charleston's going to have home court. So I was feeling pretty good, and for the most part, you know, I think Charleston in that Northeastern game played pretty mistake-free. I mean, they had seven turnovers. They shot it well from three. They shot it well from two. I thought the de- defensive strategy was pretty good, but Northeastern just a little bit better, and I think they're, you know, one of the best teams in the CAA. Yeah, I mean, uh, watching that game last night, uh, there's not one thing that sticks out to me um, where I, you know, could say, wow, we did really poorly at that. I mean, I thought we played a really good game. I thought we had a great game plan. Um, You know, to me, we actually got our stops at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. We just weren't able to hit some shots down the stretch. And and sometimes that's the way it happens in March. And to take a really good CAA team, team that I think everyone picked to win it all at the beginning of the year, down to the wire, and you've got a chance to tie them with, what was it, 13 seconds left. Uh, I think it was a a great game played by both teams. And um, that's what you you want come March. You want a chance, and, and we had our chance. And sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. I was saying this on on my recap. You don't want one of those games where it feels like you've beaten yourself in March. Those are just so much harder to swallow at the end of the day. So I feel like I can't really fault the Cougars that much. They played really well. It was a great game. I want to talk to you a little bit about some sort of X's and O's because it seems like that Northeastern pick and roll is just... I don't know how you stop that with... Pusicha at the top of the key or at the top of the arc, Anthony Green rolling and then Bolden Brace spotting up for three. It seems like no matter what you take away, they they can get you. So what what are your thoughts on on kind of that set that they run and what the Cougars did to sort of neutralize it? Yeah, so on the topic of the, the Northeastern pick and roll, I, I thought the CFC game plan was great. Um, our plan was to stretch um, the pick and roll, which is basically where the big man is going to stay with that guard try to carry him out um, kind of at a little bit of an angle away, 45 degree angle, almost away from the basket. And then you've got to rely on your help side to kind of rotate with that guy that's rolling up or spotted up in the corner. Um, but when you've, when you've got as talented a players as Northeastern does, it's so hard to guard that, you know, I thought our guards uh, a couple of plays at the end really did a great job of, of getting their hands up and making guys throw some errant passes um, that went out of bounds and, and gave us the ball back. But it's just so hard to guard, especially with Northeastern having as many shooters as they do. You know, I mean, if you trap the ball screen, you're inevitably leaving someone open um, with a wide open shot or a layup. And then, you know, it's, it's hard to completely switch it because they've got such good drivers. And so I, I really thought our game plan was perfect for what we were trying to do. It's, it's just nearly impossible to guard that when you've got as talented a team as Northeastern does. You know, I was worried about 
Brace or Roland, one of those shooters going off, or even Pusicha. I mean, he had 30 in the championship game last year. I think he was held to 10 in this game on like 13 shots. So I was worried about those guys. And Sean Osias comes in, has a huge game. But otherwise, I, I thought the game plan was was pretty solid. I mean, most of the people I was worried about were held in check. I think the gripe I saw on, on message boards and on Twitter was about the rebounding battle. And Earl Grant addressed that after the game. You know, obviously, Northeastern got a lot of second chance points, a lot of offensive rebounds, and they kind of controlled the glass. Is that something that happens when you're switching everything and then you maybe get a mismatch where, you know, Anthony Green's being guarded by Zepp Jasper? Uh, what Am I yeah, correct I mean, in it, that? It's really tough to rotate and switch on some of those screens. And, you know, at, at any given time, depending on what Northeastern's um, – uh, game lineup is, you know, they, they've got five guys that can handle the ball if Murphy's out there. And then if Green's out there, I mean, he's huge. And so, you know, if you get some of these switches and and um, help on the on the pick and roll, sometimes you're going to have a Zep Jesper on Green. And, and that's just a complete mismatch. And that's hard to hard to get a rebound. And, and sometimes it just comes to sheer will. And sometimes it just comes down to luck. Um, you know, we got out rebounded 35 to 24, which you hate to see. 11 rebounds is, is kind of a big thing. And I think they had probably five or six just key offensive rebounds that killed us. Right. But it, it's just so hard when you're switching off. And like you just said, we, I felt like we kept a lot of their shooters in check. I mean, Seca really didn't have any type of crazy game. I mean, 10 points, I think he was like one for four from three. Um, OCS comes off the bench and goes four for seven from three, 17 points. The season average is 10. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, the two things to me that killed us, and it's two things you always look at in a, in a box score after the game, is the rebounding war, losing that, and then free throws. And, and they they made more than we attempted. And I mean, almost any time that the, your opponent makes more free throws than you attempt, you're going to lose that game. I mean, that's just tough to overcome. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's officials. Um, sometimes that's just the way the game goes. I thought they did a great job of, of not only driving the ball, but getting offensive rebounds, getting fouled, and going to the line. So let's go back quickly to Osius because he was a difference maker in this game. He missed a lot of time. He didn't play in the Northeastern game in Charleston, which is the one the Cougars won. I think he's one of the better guys in the league at defending Grant Riller. Uh, he's He's got some length. He's got some good defensive instincts. But I was not expecting that kind of production in limited minutes from him off the bench. And for him to hit, what, three or four threes is just... I don't know what you do with that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, that just happens in games. You know, you you don't you're not always able to account for everybody. And you know, looking at the the recap of that game, I thought our defense was really good in general. I mean, we held them to forty five percent shooting um, and thirty percent from threes, where we were shooting fifty percent and forty four from threes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think just a couple of those key rebounds that gave them second chance opportunities were the biggest difference, more so than a CS coming off the bench and and hitting those four threes and going six for nine. I mean, he played a great game, nothing to take away from him, but you always wonder if you limit five or six of those offensive rebounds. I mean, that's six or eight points right there. Right. Yeah. And that, that was what Earl Grant was saying post game. He was like, we had to give something up. I mean, we were selling out to stop these shooters and you open yourself up to these, these offensive reboundings. I wish we maybe would have crowded green a little bit more or had two guys going for a rebound, but you can't cover all parts of the court, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to give up something the same way that Northeastern probably knew that they were going to give up something. I mean, they, yeah. they really, to me, looked like they sold out to stop Grant um, and kind of let Jarrell back down people almost one-on-one until he got yeah. into the paint. So in any game, you're going to have to give up something to guard, you know, one of the actions or one of the players of the opposing team. And, and in general, I thought our game plan was great, and I, I thought we executed it pretty well just looking at the sheer stats and, and being at the game last night. I mean, Northeastern hit some big shots um, with hands in their face, but more importantly, I, I think like you know, like we've talked about, the offensive rebounds that they had and some of those putbacks were just killer. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention selling out on Riller because his ten points do stick out. You know, averaging twenty two on the season, but it did seem like he was still making the right plays because I, I thought Zepp, Jalen McManus, and Brevin Galloway all played good games, kind of picking up the slack from Grant because it did look like he was absolutely the focus of that defense. Yeah, you could tell they were kind of sagging off into um, the driving lanes and into the gaps, and, and they didn't want him to get any easy drives to the basket. And that's, you know, as much as we think of Grant being a great shooter, and I mean, he's just an overall great player, but his game really is predicated on getting to the hoop first, getting some easy layups, a couple of nice finishes, and then stepping it out and, and hitting a couple of jumpers. And I mean, honestly, I can't think of one shot last night where you just looked at it and were like, ah, it's a bad shot. Why'd you take that? Or was he forcing it? I really didn't see any of that last night. Um, all the shots he took to me were, were, were game shots that he's made in the past that he makes consistently. And um, to me, they just really closed off the driving lanes and, and kind of sagged off, you know, forcing him to give it up and, and try to execute through other guys. Um, yeah, I thought at times last night we got a little stagnant on offense where we were kind of waiting on Durrell or, or Grant to do something and sometimes you just got to get a little more movement than that to execute and that's where a guy like Zepp Jasper I mean hits three huge yeah. threes last night that were, were all off of driving kicks and so um, I think they really did sell out to stop Grant um, and, and last night it worked yeah Zepp Zep came up huge including that last three that he hit I think to put us up two or three in the in the closing minutes there Jalen McManus you know, driving from the arc and dunking was awesome. Brevin Galloway had 12 points and he was pump faking and driving and scoring at the basket as well. I tweeted out during the game. I mean, those three looked really good. Plus the way that Sam Miller played, I might feel more confident about them next year than I had at any point this season. No, I, I was really impressed with how they played. Um, all three of those guys are great players. And anybody that's watched them for a given period of time, I think has kind of been waiting to see a little bit more out of them and see a little bit of, from you know what, what's been expected out of them. And, and last night, I think we got glimpses of that. Brevin, who's a great three-point shooter, like you said, I thought him not settling on the three and really driving and driving strong, um, I thought was really impressive to see. And like you said, really excites me going into next year. Same thing with Jalen. Hits a huge three, um, comes right back down, pump fake, dunk, great drive. And then Zepp, you know, shooting those threes confidently. We know he's a great dribbler, great passer, unbelievable defender. But if he starts hitting that three consistent, especially big shots like that, that's going to be exciting to the end of the next year. I think Zepp might still, statistically, I think he might have finished as the best three-point shooter on the team, which is a great testament to him and, and the work he put in. You know, I think what's really impressive about him is you never really see him take bad threes. You know, it's never really oh, seems yeah. like a forced yep. three. It's, it, he's really good about getting it on that, you know, third, fourth, fifth pass or the second swing around um, or even just waiting for, for Grant to drive and getting that open three. And so what's always impressed me about him is he never really seems to 
to force threes. He's making really smart choices with his shot. And you know, I think he missed maybe one or two jumpers last night, but they were all good shots. And so going into next year, I, I expect uh, to see all three of those guys continue to improve and get better. And if they're playing like that, that's going to be a dangerous three or four guys we have uh, rolling into next season. Mm-hmm. So this game winds down. Um, it's close in the final seconds. I know Jarrell misses a couple layups that he normally makes. Grant gets that call that goes the other way. We should talk a little bit about the refereeing. I don't know if you saw Joe Chile's tweet during the game <laughs> about hating the refs, but I thought that was great and well-timed. But I don't know. I mean, I said this about when uh, Troy Harper got the three free throws in Charleston to beat us. You hope that you're in a situation where the referee's not going to decide anything. I thought the only really egregious call was not getting Osius on a flagrant when he elbowed Jalen Richard in the in the face. What did you think? Because I know you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, I, I was um, I, I was really unimpressed with the officiating last night. I kind of you, agree. You were on the Joe Chile bandwagon. I'm on the, I'm on the Joe Chile bandwagon <laughs> on that one. I, I think what really got me was right from the beginning of the game, and I, I don't know the ref's name, but right from the beginning of the game, the kind of Sam Miller confrontation um, when he yeah that was you know, an interesting one. Yeah, like he reared back like he was going to eject Sam and this other guy, and they weren't doing anything. And it almost felt like that ref was – I know he was trying to get control of the game, but what it looked like is that he was trying to make you know himself a key part of the game. It's like just go up to the guys, talk to them. You know, hey, Sam, get your forearm off of him. You stand straight up. If I have to come tell you guys again, I'll tee both of you up. But for him to go straight to the you know yelling at Coach Grant, I'm going to toss him that's just a little extreme to me. And to me, I thought the rest of the game, he made bad calls on both sides. Um, and that was the same official who at the end, you know, gives Marquise three shots when the play before, I think we probably got fouled shooting. Uh, when Zepp the Zepp, shooting the Zepp shot, yeah. I think that was definitely a foul shooting. I think anybody could have seen that. And the guy sitting next to me when they were reviewing it, um, leaned over and he goes, you know, when they were reviewing it, he goes, that guy just said it should have been a shooting foul. Um, and so I felt like he didn't have the kind of gumption to make that call in that, that moment, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, we get it back with the Marquise call, which I don't know was a shooting call. kind of felt like a makeup call there, but then the, the Jalen foul, clearly, uh, he threw an, an elbow to his face. It's clearly a flagrant, but if anything, it's not an offensive foul or a defensive foul right there. Like the mm-hmm. fact that they call it a foul on Jalen Richard right there was absolutely bizarre to me. Um, you know, and I watched the replay, and I'm like, "That's that's not. If you're calling anything, that's an offensive foul. It's going the other way." So, I was just disappointed in some of the calls they made on on both ends. Um, even the call where Northeastern threw it out and it hit the ref didn't even look like he was out. Yeah, um, yeah. And it is, you know, I've never when it hits the ref like that and he's standing right there. I've never seen a ref call it out of bounds. They normally back up and either the ball goes out of bounds or it hits them, stays in play, and they play on. And so. I thought they had just a couple really costly calls for both teams, which happens in every game. But even Coach Grant will tell you, and he used to tell us all the time, you know, when you're when you're playing on the road, you're the way team, you're the lower seed team, you've got to play 10 points better than the refs. Right. Um, and last night we, we didn't play 10 points better than the refs, and I don't think they decided the game by any means, but there was a couple key calls that, that didn't go our way that could have really helped out. I think the, the Jasper shot was a lot closer to being – three free throws than the Marquise one. Um, I, I saw Twitter a buzz about that shot shortly after it happened, but 
Um, obviously, Marquise misses the second of those free throws, inadvertently makes the third. But uh, again, I, I'm not putting this game on Marquise Pointer, right? Like, you you have to be, like you just said, about 10 points better to make up for that. Yeah, and, and while I know he would have liked to have obviously hit all three of those free throws and played a little better game offensively, he really played a great game um, just in general. Defensively, uh, to me, he's our best ball handler on the court. Um, he really didn't have any key turnovers that I can think of that really killed us. And, you know, this game by no means is on Marquise. And, and to me, you know, our guys made play after play last night. Um, I was texting a couple of buddies watching the game and just told them, and it, it was punch for punch. It was like Northeastern gets up six. We claw our way back. Northeastern hits a big three. We come a great down game. And hit a big three. And so I thought, I thought it was a great game. I thought we played really well. Um, and like I said, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce away. Sometimes you don't get a few calls here and there. They make one or two more shots, and, and that's how it goes. But ultimately, I was super proud of our guys. I thought our game plan was great. I thought our coaches did a great job getting them prepared for the game. And you're going to run into big teams like this, and you win some, you lose some. Did you stick around for the, uh, the Jarrell Brantley post game? Did you see any of that? I didn't. Um, I, I hung out outside for a little bit and got to see some of the guys, uh, but I didn't get a chance to to watch it. But um, yeah, Jarrell has has meant so much to this this program. I think uh, I think some Cougar fans' eyes were uh, sweating a little bit when he was uh, looking back on his career. He did get up to third all, on the all time scoring list last night, which is a crazy achievement, second in terms of D one history, but. You would know better than I did. Um, if this is the last game for those seniors, what are your thoughts on their impact on the program? Uh, first of all, I mean, as a teammate of those guys and then now a Cougar fan and an alumni, uh, it's a huge thank you to them. I mean, what they did for this program, where they took us to, uh, is unrivaled. I mean, first NCAA trip in, in 19 years. Um, you talked about just now where Jarrell ranks. I mean, I don't know how many years it takes for them to wait to put him in the, the, the Hall of Fame, but we can go ahead and get that process started. Yeah, right. Um, it's just impressive what they did, and I think it really starts with the attitude and work ethic. Being around those guys my senior year, um, coming off a you know 9-24 and 24 season or whatever it was, and, and Jarrell and them come in, and, and the attitude just changed immediately. They expected to win and they put in the work to do that. And they came every day ready to play, ready to work out. And the thing, like Jarrell, I did see one clip from the the post game. Like he said, they just love basketball, and right. they do. I mean, Jarrell's in the gym all the time. He's staying after practice. He's there before practice. They just love playing the game. And, it, and there's something so pure and, and cool to see um, and, and fun to be around if you're a teammate of those guys, about guys that just love being in the gym, love playing. And so really what those guys did for this program is unrivaled to me of, of any other player that, that's come through here. And we've had some great ones, you know, Joe Chile being an unbelievable leader last year and then graduating. And But I, I think it really starts with with that class of Jarrell and, and Grant's in there, you know, even though he's got the mm -hmm. redshirt year, Nick, Marquise, um, and then Jermaine. Like, you know, those guys coming in have really – built something special here that I, that we're going to be able to, to reap the rewards of, of, of years to come. And so um, it's honestly, it's hard to put into words because there's so much I could say about those guys. But the, the biggest thing, you know, to me as a Cougar fan is just to thank those guys for what they've done for this program, because 
to me, they've they've got a they've built a standard here, and now it's up to these younger guys to live up to that standard and, and carry it going forward. Absolutely, I think that's well put. Hardly an unsuccessful season, you know. I, I, there have been many seasons prior to this that were a lot tougher to swallow at the end, but twenty four and nine, Earl Grant gets to a hundred wins. I am extremely proud of the the team this year. I have no qualms with bowing out in the semifinals i think if anything that just kind of reflects the raised expectations for the program that we can go this far and almost win 25 games and still being like oh could have you know could have played a little bit better but certainly certainly nothing to to not be proud of and see that's to me that's what jarrell and grant and those guys have brought to this program is that expectation of hey we should you know to them right now they're ticked off that we're not playing the finals because they know that we're a good enough team to win it and yeah and that's what's great is they've they've lifted those expectations. You know, we're what three years removed now from going nine and twenty four, and mm-hmm. here we are at twenty four and nine. I mean, that's that's remarkable, and that goes back to number one, those guys, great careers, great players, great coaching staff have put together great game plans. I mean, it, it's a top down um, and everything. I mean, everybody involved with that program has done a great job in um, really molding this this team and this program back to where it should be. Definitely. So I know it is early and we have a full off season before college basketball is back in Charleston. Do you have a way too early prediction on what this team looks like and how they perform next year? You know, it, it's, I, I believe from what I understand, Grant will be back. I uh, don't know that for facts. I don't, don't that's say it sounds that like, like yeah. but it sounds, sounds like he's back, um, which that's huge. You know, you got a guy who's, you know, can give you 30 any given night you're going to have brevin back um you're going to have sam miller jalen zap jalen richard um there's no telling what some of those freshmen are capable of that we didn't see a ton from this year um and then obviously the recruits coming in i know we've got a really good player coming out of atlanta so i I would expect us to be in the top half of the caa if i had to guess right now um, just looking at some of the other teams and what they have coming back, I'd say realistically we're looking at a maybe third to fourth seed right now, um, which is where we finished this year. Um, but I, I believe that's obtainable. I mean, I, I'd be shocked if Grant Riller's not the conference player of the year next season. Yeah. I'd expect that from him. I think he expects that of himself. But the pieces around him, I mean, I, I think we've got a lot of talent. You got to, you know, Sam Miller. You know, you know how I feel about big guys that can step out, handle the ball a little bit, shoot. What Jalen McManus showed us last night, Brevin's gotten better, feels like, each game this year. Um, Zepp with another year under his belt. I think Jalen Richard has an unbelievable upside just looking at his his frame and his athleticism. So I, I think there's some really good pieces there. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we surprise some people next year. I think that's – I would expect about the same. Uh, teams I expect to get better, William & Mary – Looks like uh, next year might be the last of this current crop they have. Delaware seems like they'll be better. Drexel, I mean, they lose Harper, but uh, they do have the reigning rookie of the year at this point. So Northeastern's always tough. But yeah, I think that I think that team next year with Riller is above 500 and is in position to get a bye. And yeah, you never know what will happen. So again, sustained success for the program. No, I, I believe we're we're on the right track, and um, you know we will be somewhat young next year, but we're also going to have some really experienced guys, and uh, you know, sure. I think twenty plus wins is is a goal, and and is easily obtainable for these guys next year. 
anything else from from the season from the tournament anything else you want to wrap up with before we uh, kind of put a bow on the end of the season yeah, I thought it was a great year for these guys. Like you said, there's there's nothing to hang their heads about. 24-9 is a great year. Um, we had a couple, you know, bad conference losses I think they'd want back. And, you know, to me, you get a couple of those conference losses back, you might be talking about in that large bid. You never know. But I think definitely an NIT bid for sure. Um, but uh, to me this year, the fans were incredible. It felt like we had more and more fans each game there the way it should be. And then the tournament games, I've, you know, played in three CAA tournaments, been to the three since I've graduated. That's the best crowd I've ever seen. Uh, nice. I mean, a semifinal game, and that place was loud. It was rocking. There was, there was great attendance. Our CFC fans, I've said this before, I'll say it again, they're the best in the Colonial. Um, they're the best in this region outside of ACC, and they're probably better than some SEC. I mean, I went to a South Carolina game the other day, and our fans are definitely louder. So, um, we've got great fans. Um, I can't thank them enough for, for what they bring to those guys um, on a home court advantage and, and how they travel so well. So that's what's always impressive to me is how we continue to grow. You know, you go to these away games, nobody has a home court advantage like us. Nobody travels like we do. And so uh, a great year for, for these guys. Um, fans have, have been awesome. They continue to get better and better each year. And um, then to those seniors, man, like I said, just just a thank you to them because they've been exceptional people on and off the court. They've represented the city, the school, and this program um, in great, great ways. And uh, they're, they're going to be great at whatever they do after graduation, which I think for a lot of them is going to be some uh, good time playing pro ball somewhere. But would we be the best team in the SOCON? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's always a tough one for uh, those guys. Um you know, I think that we would sell out a SoCon gym, but I wouldn't know because we seat more than 2,000 people. So, Nice burn. Nice burn to end with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Harrison, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for helping us recap the season and uh, enjoy your spring and your summer. Hopefully we get to watch the guys uh, in the three-on-three tournament. Maybe some, some NBA Summer League experience would be pretty cool to see. So I don't think CFC basketball ever really stops, but... Um, Thanks for coming on and uh, enjoy yourself. I appreciate it, man. Happy to come on. And, and thanks for all you do uh, with Holy City Hoops podcast and keep growing it and keep uh, keep getting it bigger and bigger. You're doing a great job. Appreciate it, man. All right. My special thanks to Harrison Bound for joining us right after things wrapped up on the CAA tournament. And as I mentioned at the top, since this is the last episode for a little while, I just want to say thank you to all of you as well. Thank you so much for listening for subscribing, following us, reading the blog. I really appreciate it. This was a project that I started back in the fall. Didn't know what it was going to turn into, but the feedback I've gotten has been really great. Makes me feel fortunate to be a part of this fan community and and the College of Charleston family. Special thanks to everyone who has ever appeared on this show. Special thanks to Cullen Baldwin and Joe Wright for helping with the blog and social media. Special thanks to my fiance Virginia, for giving me one to four days a week completely dedicated to College of Charleston basketball when we're trying to plan a wedding. And, yeah, really appreciate it sincerely, guys. Hope everyone enjoys March Madness, the spring, the summer, and we'll be back at it next year. Thanks again, everyone. (laughs) 